Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. My name's Josh, and I'm so freaking excited this week. Um, this came together pretty quickly, and I'm really happy about that. Uh, I have... I've talked about my friend Evan on the podcast before. This is actually a different friend, Evan. I know. Um, I heard that. I heard in your, your last podcast you were talking about how you had recorded with a guy named Evan, and I was yeah. like, we haven't recorded yet. <laughs> no, I have. I currently have three friends named Evan, and oh, it's wow. hard to keep them all straight. Um, but joining me today is Evan Jones. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? It's going great. Evan, we went to high school together. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. pretty sure maybe college a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because you were, I think you were like two years ahead of me. How long did you go to Hack? I was there for like five years. Okay, so I was yeah. there for five years longer than I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right the moment you walked in the door. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Then yeah, definitely we were there because I was there. I was there for four years. Yeah, and, and I was oh, a right couple on. years behind you. So yeah. Yeah, I stayed for an extra year because I got expelled three times. Shit! From you did? Yeah, and then I still didn't graduate. <laughs> oh, wow, that's rough. Yeah. I didn't graduate either. I was I got expelled um, the semester before I was supposed to graduate. And, oh my gosh, me too. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So I got expelled the semester before I was supposed to graduate, and then I, I was just like, fuck it. I like a bunch of other things happened. I was always like, yeah. I'm gonna go back and finish that last semester, and then too much happened. They wouldn't have taken me back. So, dude, me too. <laughs> I got expelled the first time. Like I was like dead set on finishing for some reason. I got expelled <laughs> the first time. I went back. Got expelled again. Went back, and the last time I got expelled, I, honest to God, didn't do anything. They just told me basically, you, you're not gonna fit here. Oh wow! And that was all I had to do was student teaching at that point, and I would. That's what done. I had left. That's all I had left was my student teaching. And I think it was like, I think they were investing in the long game. Yeah. Like we're gonna expel you right now. Maybe you'll come back and finish uh, this later and give us even more money when right? the tuition is higher. Exactly. I don't think they're that smart. <laughs> You're giving them a lot of credit. I know. That's well, that's the. Uh, I, that's the theory I like. I to. think it's more of a maybe it would have been a control thing. You know, I don't know if it's the money, but definitely keeping you in their grasp. Probably. Yeah. So. They got off on control quite a bit. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so listeners, if you're confused at all, I, I think I've talked a little bit about the cult I, I grew up in and uh, eventually got out of Evan too. Um, and I don't think I've talked in a ton of detail about it though. Just that it's real crazy. It's still around for God knows what reason. Um, and I'm happy to not be there anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. But they had, dude, they had the whole education system covered all the way from kindergarten through college, exactly. master's degrees, doctorates, everything. They had the whole thing covered. Honorary doctorates, just handing those things out left and right. Well, all you had to do along. was be an old pervert and yeah, you got exactly. an honorary doctorate. Got, got and then you just got to travel the country and talk about how you were a doctor and, and put right. that in front of your name. And everybody, of course, nobody assumes that you just picked that somewhere up at some unaccredited <laughs> college in the Midwest. They're like, no, this guy's really a doctor. We're this guy's listen legit. To him. <laughs> yeah. And then it makes it dangerous because whatever you say, people just put that much more weight behind. Right, exactly. Because yeah. you're a doctor and a doctor uh-huh. wouldn't lie and make shit up. Yeah, doctors know things. Um, yeah, right on. We're not bitter at all. No, no, ladies no, and gentlemen. We're great. Um, so Evan, you, yeah. I love what you're doing right now. Um, Thanks. You are you still writing? 
Um, I, I do my blog. Um, I, I've been on a little pause just because I'm trying to do a bunch of other things, but it, the blogging is something I can always go back to when yeah. I want to and um, trying to write my stories and then, you know, just writing in general. I like to write. Yeah, right on. Um, so I like I was going to try and like intro you and tell a little bit about your story, but yeah. I feel like you could do that better because it's your story. Well, it's okay. Um, oh, no problem. So I will just say this. Um, I have admired some of the work that Evan's doing from afar. Um, I've read quite a bit of your uh, your blog and like a lot of your writing and stuff like that. Um, so I'm anxious selfishly for you to like get back into that um because yeah. it's really good it's really inspiring i like i was actually talking to Stuart, a mutual friend yeah um and i was telling him i i think one of the things i appreciate about your writing so much is that it's not it doesn't seem like there's any pretense it's very genuine um thank but you. it's also like incredibly engaging you're a excellent storyteller thank you um and so like it's just it's very engaging but it's also inspiring and, and just it's really really good Thanks. so um Go ahead and get back to that anytime you want to, because I'll read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I am trying. I mean, try, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I, I've always enjoyed writing, but never had real, some real direction in it. So yeah. I think I'm trying to find my style. And then, yeah. you know, I'd like to tell my story one day, but I got to find my style. And I'm finding it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that. I, um, I actually wrote a blog for a little while myself years yeah. ago. Uh, and I was just talking about this to somebody the other day, but my last blog post was basically, I don't want to be one of those guys that just writes a blog post every week because that's what I feel like I need to do. And I'm just mm -hmm. not talking about anything important. Yeah. So I'll write a blog post or I'll say something when I have something to say. And I think that was the last blog post I ever wrote. <laughs> yeah. And so waiting for something to say, well, you got yeah, another exactly. way to express yourself now. Yeah. Yeah. And know? then I found podcasting and I'm kind of addicted. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I do want to get, go back. yeah. I've always I've always come back to writing. I always go back to it, but it just it comes in waves. Like I'll fill for yeah. a while for like several months. I'll just write all the time, and then it'll, it'll take a, you know break off for a while, and then I'll go back to it. So. I hear you. Do you like? Do you have like aspirations to like write a book or anything like that? Several books at some point. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely, I mean, well, everybody always tells me to write a book about my life. I don't know that that's something that I, I, I mean, it's not that I wouldn't want to do it. Um, I would really like to write a book that tells the stories of the people um, in the movement that we grew up in. Right. Um, and so I, I think I have a little talent in that area of putting the stories together, but I'd like to tell other people's stories yeah. and then, you know, tell mine along the way too. But I'd really like to tell other people's and, and bring more light to the movement and, you know, just enjoy, I think it's a, a lot deeper than people realize. Um, yeah. I think people look at fundamentalists and think they're just a, a select a group of crazies that don't have any influence on the country and they do they have a lot bigger reach than people realize so that's mm -hmm. what i would like to do uh, i like that idea yeah i'm uh if and when you get to that project i'm down to help however i can definitely absolutely <laughs> i like it all right man so um like i was saying i like i was gonna like try and intro you to our audience and like tell about you but i feel like it, you know you're you so you could do that better than i can so um just whatever you want to say like a little bit about you your story your journey um sort of where you're at now and like what you got going on okay um all right uh i mean i so i'm i'm a transgender man i um grew up in the independent fundamental baptist movement um and which is 
like it, it's fundamentalism when you find fundamentalism in all different aspects and all religions and so you know this just happens to be you know christian fundamentalism and as you know um very rigid strict standards and um especially when it comes to sex and gender identification so um a lot of confusion there and and in the world that we grew up in we were really secluded so Mm -hmm. everything everything that i had all the information that i had that was provided to me by my church the school that i went to the activities after school we didn't really associate with people around us unless we were trying to get them into the cult and once they had made it clear that they weren't interested in joining us we would withdraw from them so i just not i wasn't really exposed to life I thought I was, but I wasn't, and um, I, you know, I went through the school system, graduated, went off to our our alma mater, <laughs> our unaccredited alma mater, which they insisted it didn't matter because you don't need to be accredited because God, yeah. you know, God's all you need. You're accredited um, by the Lord. That's Evan. right. Jesus Christ accredits this school. Turns right. out, uh, later on in life, you do need that accreditation. Like people actually care. Turns so, out, most people care. Yeah. yeah, most people do, most people really do care, yeah. but uh, but not 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 to them, no. So you know, I went off to four years of college, and um, I mean, I had been questioning. So you know, there's a lot of confusion. Uh, I think for any person, any young person questions themselves when you're so sexually repressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had ridiculous standards. Like you know, you you couldn't touch a member of the opposite sex. You couldn't be alone with the member of the opposite sex. We couldn't go mix swimming because, I, you know, things were going to happen in the water, even yeah. though we were also fully clothed. Yeah. <laughs> Pools are just innately sexual places. Exactly. Evan. They're just a cesspool of sin. Water water is sexual. <laughs> right. So, you know, so you're just kept from the opposite sex and it's hard to figure your feelings. But I do know that at 14, like I realized I was attracted to girls. I remember a very clear thought of I like girls. And of course, I was, you know, living as a girl then, and I didn't even know transgender. I thought transgender people were locked away in institutions. Uh, All gay people were pedophiles, and they were disgusting. And um, and I I didn't want to be that. I didn't, you know, I if I was gay, then I was going to end up sexually abusing children, and you know, being the opposite sex. That wasn't even something that you could be. Right. So. but in but then in college it got really hard, like it was like my it was really hard to like deny my feelings, and um, I started working. You, huh? So sorry, I yeah. not to interrupt. No, um, please. I mean, I am I'm, interrupting. I'm just ra- I'm just rambling on. So please. No, no, I I definitely want to like pick up there. Um, you're doing great. I just <laughs> I I want to because you're you're talking about like living with this. And one of the questions I was going to ask is when you mm-hmm. sort of knew, like if you always knew or if it, you know, sort of occurred to you at some point. Um, so since 14, I mean, that's a long time. And then yeah. like through the rest of high school and through college and like, you're just sort of having to deal with this idea of like, I think I'm like this, but I'm not supposed to be like this. Yeah. You know, where do I go? Like, did God make me like this? I don't think he did. That's not what I'm being told. Yeah. So, what is that experience like? Like, did you feel like there was anybody you could talk to or confide in, or was it literally just you all alone, sort of just tamping this down as much as you could? Yeah, it it was 
I was first of all I was terrified I lived with incredible fear like the worst fear of my life um, uh, up until I eventually came out I was I it was just it, it just controlled everything I couldn't I didn't hug my female friends I you know girls are known to like walk down the hallway are linked arm in arm which wasn't so much my personality anyways but like I did it I shied away from that when I was in the locker room I would go and I would change in a stall because I, I was afraid that if I changed out in front of, I would like glance over at someone accidentally and they would know they would know that I was yeah. gay um, so there was just a lot of fear and a lot of guilt like my I, I was kind of I, I, I considered myself a rebel which uh, you know a, a <laughs> rebel in the IFB is, is nothing but I thought I was a rebel and then at 16 we had a, one of our youth revivals mm -hmm. where they come and just for five days are just beating Jesus into you and beating the devil out of you and um, you know someone took my CDs that my my music the world's music and they and I, I somebody like stole it from me and they like turned it in so I got in trouble so then they brought me up on the stage and they were smashing CDs you know they love the smash CDs and burn books and all that good stuff and and so I got right with God you know well that music is probably what was doing it to you Evan mm -hmm. if we're honest absolutely absolutely I was you know I was getting whatever I could get I, I didn't even know what to look for so whatever <laughs> someone could burn for me I didn't. I didn't have specifics on what I was like. You know, it was a lot as long of as it wasn't rock. Southern gospel. <laughs> uh, no, I, I no, no. I was. I was real hardcore. I was listening to Avril Lavigne. Nice. You know, but it was just because that's someone was like, "This is what I have. I can give it to you." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." I don't know yeah. what I like. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so I, I like got when I like got right with God, then like they guilt came on and it was just this immense guilt and I remember there was this bike path behind our house and I would walk on this bike path almost every day my senior year of, of high school and I would just be bawling because I was trying so hard to like to not feel this way and I was just mm -hmm. telling God how sorry I was and I was trying to be better and I didn't understand like asking him to remove this burden and this affliction and all the terms that we use and and I would feel better for a little while and then something would happen and I, you know, I'd fall back into this, you know, this guilt and this depression. And it just, that's just how it continued. And it just got worse and worse. Yeah. So. That's so sad. I like, I, so I, I usually refrain from like speaking on these subjects. Number one, cause I have no experience with it. Um, I like, I'm, I'm in the exact demographic. That's not allowed to talk about this stuff. Usually I'm a straight white male, Evan. So um, but like, I, it's just like, my heart goes out so much to like, you know, people like you and like Adam Billingsley and others yeah. that, you know, we know that we grew up with and like, it's just such a, I, I can't imagine that if the people that were in charge, this may or may not be the case, but I can't imagine that if the people were in charge actually knew your heart and like what was going on, like with you, um, and like the struggle you were going with and how much torment sort of was happening like i can't imagine that that's what they intended or wanted um yeah and if there is a god i can't imagine that's what god would want either you yeah. know um and it's just such as it's such a horrible that's a terrible thing to do to anybody yeah i, I yeah i don't think i don't i don't think that a lot of people realized that i mean even my I mean my parents they're not supportive of my decisions 
But even then, you know, they've asked me. And even then, they, they told me they wish that I didn't go through that. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the problem is that when kids would come to them, because don't, they don't want people to be suffering, but their right. answer was to send these kids. I, you know, I heard a couple stories of kids being sent off way to the boys and girls homes that were right. notorious in the IFB. And that's some stories that I would like to tell one day. They're just the treatment in those homes was awful. And I had known a boy who went to those homes and he tried to commit suicide twice when he got back, hmm. you know, and he, it was rumored that he was sent for being gay. And so, you know, there's this fear that if I got, if someone found out I was going to be sent away to one of those homes yeah. and, and you know, um, so I just didn't feel like, what could I do? It wasn't that people weren't trying to be compassionate. It's just that their answer was to send you away, you yeah. know? Well, because they didn't know what to do with you. Right. They don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. They're, I mean, Other they're, they, than tell you the Bible says. Right. I mean, in their, their mind, you're, you're sitting in against God and it's a parent that's trying to save their child from hell. Right. Right. My parents aren't doing this because they hate me. My parents are doing this because they really believe that I'm damning my soul to hell. And so, of course, they're going to send me away. Of course, they're, you know, um, to a camp or to a home because or put me in some intensive counseling um yeah and it would have hurt them more than it hurt you right exactly quote unquote (laughs) um exactly yeah man so i i just i I, want i the reason i stopped there is i i want to make sure people understand like this is not just a like it's not just a conservative christian sect right this is an oppressive um fear-mongering, hateful, just naive, even, um, cult. It, it really, like, it's just the, you mentioned how afraid you were most of the time. And that's, I I feel like that's their best tool. Yeah. um, Their most powerful tool. Absolutely. And, and, um, and it doesn't represent, obviously we know Christianity as a whole. It's just some people that have taken this and, and use it in an extreme manner. Right. Right. Um, right. So then you're in college. Yeah. Um, and it's getting worse. So like what happens then? So in college, um, you know, so I got really involved in college. Like my, uh, I think by my sophomore year, I was actually working for the college and, and then by my senior year, I was working full time for the college and that like paid for my tuition. So I worked full time for the college. I went to classes full time and for a little while, like it felt better, I, you know, and I dated and, and did all the things that I was supposed to do. And then um, my junior year, I like fell head over heels for this girl, which she, she didn't know. But like it was, I just fell completely in love with her. And that and it like everything came back because I was doing everything I was supposed to at this point. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to Christian Bible college. I'm studying to be a Christian school teacher. I'm involved in my bus ministry. I'm working for the college. Like I am doing every, I'm reading my Bible every single morning. Like I really gotten, like I really believed what I, you know, what we were being taught at that point. Um, I had bought in full, I had bought in wholeheartedly, you know? And you're like, and you're, yeah. So everything on the outside is, Everybody just thinks you're quote unquote normal, as at least yeah, as far as yeah. Like what the standard and I'm doing is. everything that they tell me to do, and it, this, and then all, and I feel like I've been cured. Like it was, this was just a phase or whatever it was. Like mm-hmm. you know, God has cured me, and then this girl comes along, and I, like I, I'm done. 
And so um, my senior year, so I get into my senior year, I'm a dorm supervisor and there's, I can't handle it. So I, I had never been um, around, like around alcohol because alcohol was illegal in our, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it was illegal in our in our community. It was the devil's nectar, and if you had one sip, you were going to be an alcoholic. And, um, but I just knew that that was going to make me feel better. And this is my story because I I don't have a problem with alcohol. I think it's great, but unfortunately, it, alcoholism does run in my family. Hmm. And so I like I just knew it was going to make me feel better. So I snuck off to a liquor store and I bought a pint of like really cheap vodka, like Dimitri's vodka. It's like two dollars. You can get a whole liter for like ten bucks. And I drank it and I, you know, and then I felt better. And so I started drinking and I <laughs> like really hard, like wake up in the morning, <laughs> put in your coffee, go to Bible class. Oh, wow. Come back. So was. Was vodka the first thing you ever had to drink? That was, yep. That was my first That's one. That's amazing. Yep. I graduated. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Vodka and then and whiskey. Like those were my loves. I, like, I Good found job. whiskey a little later on, but yeah. Yeah. So I, whiskey yeah. is the first thing I ever had. Was it, I feel yeah. like if you're going to jump in, you, you might as well jump in all the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, no. I'm not messing around with beer or wine. Yeah. I mean, that was, I, that was okay for parties later, but right. no, like right away. That is what I I, I don't so know. So you're going to class with vodka. I'm going to Bible coffee. class with vodka and my coffee, and uh, in my you know then I'd go to the uh, Liberty Square and I get a 32 ounce of soda, pour some more vodka in that, go to chapel, you know, go to the work, and I'm just and and people are so because so many of these people have not been exposed to alcohol. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some that have like. They just know there was only one person that ever said something to me. And it was a girl that, you know, had grown up around it. And she like, well, I'm working one day and she looks at me and she's like, are you drinking? And I was like, we're, we're on campus. And I'm like, are you uh. being, re- are you kidding me right now? Are, <laughs> am I drinking on college? Campus? I should give you demerits for <laughs> exactly. even saying that. Who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. Right. You know, and I just like tore down. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I smelled something. I, I don't like she, comp- you know, she profusely apologizes, but I know she knew, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after that, I was a little more careful about like drinking it in public, you know, um, or how much I, I, I poured in. But the thing with the alcoholic is that you, you always think that you're hiding it better than you are. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, um, so then I had a nervous breakdown one night in front of like all of my girls, like I started going into, um, uh, I started like having these stomach convulsions. It was like, it was just like, I was exhausted. You know, the college run ran you dry. I was exhausted. I was under all this pressure and I had this, this breakdown and, um, and it really was just, I was, I think I was just sick. Also I'm drinking, I'm dehydrated. I'm not Mm -hmm. taking care of myself. Well, the next morning I wake up, and the administration is there and these all these girls had told their parents and um they're getting calls from parents that the dormitory supervisor is demon possessed dude that's exactly what i was gonna guess <laughs> oh it, my god yeah yeah they, so these parents are calling um it was i was actually i didn't remember the full night but actually i was told later that one of the girls actually had jumped on top of me and was holding me down and was like 
get thee out of thee, Satan. She's like quoting the verse. She's like holding me down. I command you. She's like, you know, because they love to tell the stories about all the times that they had like cast demons out of possessed teenagers or whoever was possessed. And so, um, yeah, so they call in. Mm, sorry. Yeah, they call in and um, and there's this whole big kerfuffle. So I have to take a month off. And, and it just started snowballing after that. So, um I got in, tr so I got in trouble with a guy, you know, cause I'm trying to like figure things out. And, um, so, you sure. know, I do what every fucking 21 year old person does. And, you know, <laughs> I met some guy, we made out and one of my friends who's worried about me turns me in. And so then they just basically tell me that I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a mess. I need to get things together. I can, I have, I have to take a year off and then I can come back. So. Okay. So, so many things there. <laughs> I cuz it's amazing to me first of all as progress quote unquote progressive as our cult like to think uh, that they were, you know, like <laughs> yeah. we're getting internet. We're so progressive. <laughs> oh my god. Um you know, and they would talk about like oh how the Catholic Church is so superstitious and this mm -hmm. and that. And then like you have a legitimate like breakdown or like a, a medical condition. Yeah. Right. And the first thing that they jump to is demons. Right. Yeah. Of course. That's, that has to be what it is. Demon possession. Couldn't right? possibly be the extremely unhealthy schedule that everyone's <laughs> keeping. And the fact that you're working your college students like horses on the weekends to build your ministry <laughs> or, you know, that nobody has time for anything. It's gotta be demons. Right. Yeah. Course. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I know the work schedule there was crazy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's thing when you study cults, because I don't know why now I have an obsession with them, but <laughs> what, like one of the things that they do is like get people sleep deprived, get them sleep deprived. And then yep. you're, they're easy, you know, they're better to manipulate. And then for the college students and, and the, the staff members that work for the church, like the, the inner circles, that's what they did. I mean, you would be living off of three or four hours of sleep, especially on the weekends, you know, going into Mondays. And it was ridiculous. Yep. You know, and then the other thing that always cracks me up is if there's a if there's ever a problem, if you're not right with God, um, or if you know you're just not living up to the standards that they expect you to live up to, the answer is not to sort of take you under their wing and say, "Hey, let's work on this." You know what's going on? It's you need to go away. Oh yeah, always and send someone fix away. yourself, and then come back when you're all better. Yeah, not. Let's help you be better. Yeah. yeah. That, well, it's amazing to me. And their their first response is always to try to send you somewhere because they don't want to lose control of you. I mean, kids right. being bounced all over the country. Like, that you'd get in trouble. We're going to send you to, the, to one of our colleges over here. We're going to send you to one of our – and same they did the same thing with the freaking pedophiles and molesters that they, you know, like, oh, we caught you – um, you know, molesting children. So what we're going to do is we're going to set you up in this ministry across the country. That's going to be better for you. You probably won't molest kids over there, you know? Right. So the first <laughs> thing, you know, they want to send you somewhere. And then if you, if you tell them, I don't want to go somewhere else, because they did suggest that I go down to um, Arkansas, wherever Eric something, I don't remember. There was oh, a Capace. Yeah. Yeah. Capace's church. Uh, yep. They did recommend I go down there, but I didn't want to leave. And so it was like, well, you need to take a, a year off. Um, we're going to try to get you to some help and then, you know, and come back to us. 
So what did help look like? Were they like recommending that you counsel with somebody on staff or was it literally just make sure you're in church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Uh, well, originally help. So, so originally help was like, you know, get some counseling, stay close to your parents. Um, but then, so I, you know, I leave and I start, I get a couple of jobs in the area and I'm going to church and I'm still drinking very heavily. And, um, I, Oh, and whenever, whenever this had all happened, I did, I finally admitted to a woman that like I, to one of the counselors that I thought I had seen, you know, that I thought I was attracted to women, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. And so, and she, you know, she just tried to rational way, like, no, you're not really attracted to women. We all have, we all have feelings like this. So I don't know what she was experienced. That's what she told me that we all feel So basically she's like, hey, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then it just like divulged into this whole porn scene. No. Um, Great. Cool. <laughs> no. So like she just kind of told me we all have these feelings. It's natural. Women are naturally closer to each other. We, we form these tight bonds and sometimes we can mistake that for feelings and so she just kind of blew it off but also i wasn't like incredibly truthful with her i was just like mm. sometimes i think this way but i'm probably not gay you know yeah so um so, so then where yeah, do you ahead. feel like so amidst all this mm -hmm. like you like you know for sure like how you feel and yeah. like who you are mm -hmm. um whether or not you can fully live that at this point or not is is another thing so where do you feel like, like, what was the line? What, like, what was the, you know, like you're still sort of bought in at this point and you're trying to like deny all this and say, you know, God's going to eventually change me or whatever the case may be. So what ends up being the, like the catalyst for you saying like, fuck it, this isn't it. There's gotta be something else. Yeah. Like, where does that happen? So I leave the, the, the college and, and work in that summer and I'm still drinking and um, I, I go. I one morning I'm I'm drunk. I I hit a parked car, and I like take off and I show up at Jack Scott's daughter's house, the preacher's mm -hmm. daughter's house, and I'm drunk and I tell her like I don't know what's going on. She takes me to someone else. I tell um, it was uh, I cannot remember his name. Uh, George, short guy. He ran the um, Reformers Unanimous Homes. Oh, um, ramped. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yep. Ramped. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so it's George ramped. And I tell him that, you know, he's asked me, like, he sees that I'm drinking. He's like, why? And I tell him, I, th I, I think I'm attracted to women. And he goes, okay, well, we're going to get you some home, some help. So basically the next day I was checked into the Reformers Unanimous home. And I, I was there for six months. And Which I'll just, I'll digress a little bit here yeah, and I'll tell our listeners sorry. The Reformers Unanimous Home um, is basically our church's, at the time, our church's version of a halfway house. You So you checked in there. Um, you basically had no control over your finances, your schedule, any of that stuff. You were controlled morning to night in every aspect, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every 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 step of the way. It's, a, it's an addiction recovery house. And... and fundamentalism uh you know being gay or being transgender is considered an addiction and you just need to go through the program and i was also there for my alcohol like i had a legitimate addiction but i was there for both things mm -hmm. um but because my parents were high up in the church 
I was put there as a worker. Like, so I wasn't, I was supposed to like (laughs) subtly work the program and also work for the church. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I was there for six months and, um, and like two weeks and then two weeks, I had, I had been dating a guy before I went in and two weeks after I, I got out, we got married. And I, I really thought like that, this is, this is what the problem is that like, because everyone says like, once you get married, like you realize it's the one you settle down. And I really thought like, I'm going to get married and I'm going to realize that this is the person that I, you know, I'm going to, all this is going to go away. And it did the exact opposite. I got married and I was like, Oh my God. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, this is, this is all wrong. Nothing is right. And so um, we were together for four months and um, and then I came out and I, you know, and originally I told him I did it. I wasn't ready to like fully take the step. I was like, I want to go back to counseling and figure out what we can do. And he was just like, no, no, we're not going to do that, which I'm actually I'm grateful for because I could I would have drugged this thing out for who knows how long. He was just like, no, um, I'm not doing this. And and he left. And then, you know, I was out. So, yay. Yay. <laughs> I mean, not so much like, you know, the windy path to getting there um, yeah. and all the suffering, you know, in between, but yay. Yeah. Um man, and again, like there's there's so many holes in all the logic and and craziness there, but like the fact that we were all told growing up that like marriage is a be all end all and right. that's what fixes things it's and that's the ultimate your goal. Problems. And it, and whatever you have, like whatever issues you have is because you don't have a good marriage or I don't know. Yeah, marriage is especially for women. You know, especially for women. That's what right. that was your purpose. That's what you were created for. You just need a good man. That's right. Just That's need all. a good man. Um, I I heard this is slightly off topic, but I I heard somebody say one time, and I thought it was actually really really good. And it's not what we were taught. There's no such thing as marriage problems. It's single people problems that get brought into marriage. Yeah. Um, and if they're not fixed or addressed or at least known you know, before people get married, it just gets compounded because marriage complicates everything. It doesn't simplify anything. Yeah. Um, which is why it's, that's a, it's a big step. You gotta be sure before you do it. Um, but we were taught the opposite. We were taught that marriage, like we said, fixes all the problems and simplifies things. And, you know, all you gotta do is be married and then everything, everything just works out. Yeah. Sort it out. And you're, and people are just thrown in it. And I mean, and on top of that, they're, you know, they're taught that they're not even supposed to touch before marriage if you're the best, but at least try to save your first kiss for marriage. Or right. if you can't do that, try to save sex for marriage. Don't live together before you're married. Don't oh, do no. any of this because that's what you should do. You should move in with a complete stranger that you're already legally bound to and be uh-huh. like, all right, I guess we're here. Here we got to make the best of it. Exactly. I don't even know if you brush your teeth every night, but <laughs> exactly. we got to make the best of it. I have no idea if I can live with your quirks. I have no idea if I'm actually going to be sexually compatible with you. I None mm-hmm. of this, but it doesn't matter because we're married and it's me, you, and God, and we're going to work this out together, the three of exactly. us. Because the Lord is in it, yes. so it's going to be fine. Yeah. And God's very interested in your sex life, Evan. Oh, yeah, I know he is. He's basically Plus. obsessed with it. Oh, he's so he, he wants all the details. Exactly. But he's going to be super wants, pissed about them. But he, he wants, wants to, to be know. all up in it. Exactly. Yeah, he's going to be mad about all of it, but he needs to be all up in it. Exactly. Um okay, man. So at this point, so here's here's sort of what I'm curious about. So you you've experienced the like the fundamentalism and the craziness. Yeah. Um 
And so at this point you're out. And so you're just mm-hmm. sort of, this is a new thing to be like public about it, yeah. at least a little bit. Um, and so does it feel like at this point you're, you're starting to get to live who you actually are or does it just all feel weird and scary because now you're just in a whole other, you know, it's a whole other yeah. thing. At this I point. mean, I was, I was very unprepared and I didn't even realize how unprepared I was. I mean, my whole life I had been, I had been just primed and, and taught like my purpose was, like I said, to be a wife and a mother and what I was going to do with figuring out how to pay the bills, working a job, taking care of car repairs, like everything that you need to function in life. My husband was going to take care of all that. So I didn't need to mess with that. I didn't even worry my pretty little head about that. And, um, you know, and, and then like just not knowing the basics about life. I don't know. It was very, it, it was, it, it wasn't easy. So like, I mean, I had, I had to get a job. I had to figure, I thought I, you know, we were taught that we were, we were just above everyone else where we were yeah. cut above. Everybody wanted us working for them because we were such incredible workers. 10 times better. Yeah. 10 times. Yeah. 10 times better. That's what we were. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I remember like my first job, like real job going there and being like, and just naturally cocky. Like I, I'm have an incredible work ethic because I grew up in this church and there were, and I went in and people were in circles around me. Like I could not keep up with them. And I, and I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I just didn't have basic skills. I didn't even know how to pump gas because I wasn't allowed to pump gas, you know. Um, it was just it was a, it was a huge adjustment. And then just like not knowing pop culture references, not knowing basic science. Like one of my friends and I, the friend that I'm doing the podcast with, Paul Hobbs, like we joke about like I found Paul along the way. We were the only two gay people in Northwest Indiana. We say we just found each other, <laughs> and that, that's sadly probably pretty close to true yeah yeah it is especially i mean this was only this was eight years ago but even eight years ago like people were still in that area were still like real quiet like i remember one night i looked there were no resources in our area there just weren't and i couldn't find any i found like one gay lesbian um like facility and it was like four old people. I didn't connect to them at all. And so I'm looking, I finally found a gay bar in Portage, Indiana, which was the weirdest place for that a gay bar. That is a strange place. Yeah, Portage, Indiana is just like, it's just a farm town. It's hick town. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's a hick town, exactly, in, in Indiana. I I, I I think that almost that they did it on purpose because they were very, the bar was off secluded away from everyone. Oh, that's funny. But I like show up at this bar and I go in and I'm so excited because there's, it's packed. There's people everywhere. Guys are dancing together. Two girls are kissing over here. And I'm like, oh my God, I finally found my people. This yeah. is going to be great. I'm going to come here every Friday. And I sit down and the guy gets up and he's like, so we just want to thank you guys for coming out to support us on our last night. Unfortunately, oh, we no. have to close down, but, uh, you know, maybe we'll get something going again. <laughs> oh no! Like I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so, I uh, so I had found Paul, and um, I don't know where I was going with the story of Paul. Uh, oh, because Paul taught me so much about, like, I still believe that Adam and Eve were the first two people oh, on yeah. Earth, and that yeah. dinosaurs didn't exist. And I remember Paul one time made a joke about how like he had burnt himself with white fire. He's like, it's the whitest, hottest fire, and I was like. White fire is not the hottest fire. The hottest fire is black fire. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, 
Blackfire is the hot. And he's like, I don't. He's like, yeah, it's in hell because it's pitch black and it's hot because it's what we. That's have the only hot. place it exists. Huh? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a the place only place it exists, exists. <laughs> and it's pitch black. And they told us it's pitch black, but there's fire. So the hottest fire is actually black fire. And Paul just looked at me. He's like, Evan, that is not. I don't know what oh, you're no. talking about. That's not a thing. And I was like, that's yes, one of those moments where it's like, oh, oh, honey, oh no, <laughs> exactly. Like you need to sit down. Yeah, <laughs> we need to talk about some things. So I'm very grateful for him, and and I found like other people like came. And I'm not, I'm not me. laughing at you. I I have had these moments. No, I know, right? You get it, yeah. Yes, I, and it's okay. Yeah. I laugh at myself now. It's been a while. Like I get it, but it it was like it was at that time, especially with so many moments like that, just like trying to assimilate to the world around you that you didn't know really existed. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And what you, you spoke to this, like being un- just entirely unprepared, mm-hmm. um, which goes back to the fact that we came out of a call. They, the last thing they want to do is prepare you for life after because right. you need to stay in. Exactly. Um, and that's how they, they keep control. But so one of the other things I'm curious about here too, and you sort of alluded to this as well, is that um, Indiana is a very red state. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially the area we lived in and then the further south you get in Indiana, the redder it Doesn't gets. Doesn't get any better. <laughs> um, and so, you know, like you're located in, in one of the worst places possible um, <laughs> for like the awakening that's happening for yeah. you. And so there's not a lot of resources. How do you feel like so we know what fundamentalism does, yeah. um, you know, with with the LGBT community at large, but how do you feel like American culture at large was doing then and is doing now as far as like inclusivity and um, just acceptance and, you know, just all of it? Yeah. I, I think that I thought that Indiana was like the rest of the country and like this is just where we were at this point in LGBTQ history. You know, we're we're getting some rights, but there's still a lot of personal bigotry. And I won't even, it's community, because it was weird. If you met people one-on-one, they were totally fine with the fact that you were gay, you know? Uh, hmm. Like, transgender individuals, there was still a lot more, like, open bigotry there. Um, but then it w- would be weird, because then in a community setting, you wouldn't get any support, right? Like, you couldn't, any gay bar that was open would end up being shut down. Um, oh. We didn't Almost have, like, don't congregate. Yeah, exactly, don't congregate. You know, it was uh. like... Like every time someone tried to start an organization, like the organization that I had showed up with, they tried to start a um, like a pride day and it just it, it got a lot of really negative press. And then only a couple people showed up. It was just a really sad event. Um, and actually, this year is the first year that that area is going to have a pride march. You know, it's 2018 awesome. and, and I'm really excited for them. But like, you know, but and so I thought that. And I just thought that's where we were as a nation. And then I moved out to the East Coast a little over four years ago now, and it was night and day difference. Like in hmm. Indiana, you know, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't, I wouldn't put a, like a, a rainbow bumper sticker on my car because, you know, if you just knew if you put this on your car, someone's going to vandalize your vehicle. You don't yeah. walk down the street holding the hand with your part of your partner because someone always said something. I, I never walked down the street. I, I was... I mean, I guess it was just like at that point, I just had really had a fuck it attitude. So I, you know, I would walk down the street and I'd, I, if I was dating a girl, I'd hold her hand. And I never, 
walked down the street and didn't have someone throw a comment at me. It was just, hmm. it was what it was. Every time I went into a bar and I would get hit on by a guy and I would tell them that I was gay, it would just devote, like, it was, you know, just constant harassment. And what, like, what are these comments? Like, just like, <laughs> oh, what's going on there? Is it like, are people being hateful or are no, they just like questioning mo- or? I mean, I mean, some people, like if you're walking down holding hands, like their people would be hateful. They, you know, they throw out the F word. They, you know, they, they'd uh. give you dirty looks. But in the bar is usually like, uh, it was just really ignorant comments. Just not wanting, like just not accepting the fact that I wasn't interested in them, you know. Oh, like, I see. You know, that, yeah. Yeah, like you're a girl. How could you possibly not want exactly. this? Oh yeah, I and mean, at that time, I mean, I was I was really trying to dress very feminine because I was still like I was scared of that other side of me, you know. And mm. so I w- had a lot of like trans, you know, transphobia, and I had a lot of internal homo- homophobia towards myself. So I was like, I'm not going to be one of those lesbians. So I'd be very feminine. I always got you're too pretty to be a lesbian. Or, oh, that's you know. so interesting. Yeah, I and so that's something I. I mean, again, I'm a straight white male, so I like I have limited experience with any of this, but that's something I never would have thought of. So, like the upbringing that we had, you you had some prejudices and mm-hmm. like some ideas about even yourself that you had to work out. Oh yeah, well there was I and again like I there's like moments there's so many moments along my way that I remember cl- clearly. Like I remember about a year and a half after I came out, I'm sitting on. Whitman Avenue in, uh, you know, in Maryville, Indiana at a stoplight. And it was like, hit me like, you're not okay with the fact that you're gay. You're going around telling everybody I'm here. I'm queer. Get used to it. And you have this really defiant attitude, but you're really not okay with yourself, you know? And like, I remember that moment and I had, and in, in moments like, you know, I met a, um, and this was the first time that I met a trans person. I met a, um, a guy who was transitioning and you know, and initially I, I was like very put off by that and very negative. Like this guy's got some problems. He's got to work it out. You know, I was very curious, but yeah. I had a very negative reaction to him, you know, almost like, Ooh, this too far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. I got you. Um, so interesting. So you move out to the East coast. Mm-hmm. It's much better Yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, and in recent years, it's only gotten better, I feel. Yep. We're not all the way there, uh, but it's only gotten better. Uh, and so now, how, like, how do you feel like things are going? You, yeah. you seem to be doing great. Yeah, now, I mean, now it's great. I mean, we got a really great community out here. Um, like they say, you make your own family or your second family. That's what I have out here. Uh, it's There's so many opportunities. And the state that I live in is just very so progressive and like helps the LGBT community and especially transgender individuals. So like moving out on the East Coast, I slowly became more comfortable with expressing myself, you know, and mm-hmm. wearing masculine clothing and not feeling like I had to fit into my gender norms, you know, like yeah, or the yeah. gender standards. And then by doing that, like I it just I knew I knew that I was trans, but it was, it was back, it's back to being 14 and knowing that you like girls, right? Just keep shoving it down and pretend that it's not there and it's going to go away. And I kind I did the same thing with this, you know? Mm. And, um, and then finally, you know, a few years ago I started going to counseling and cause I think, I think that's a smart step no matter real counseling. If you're going to, yeah. If, if you're, if you're questioning your gender, go to counseling because 
it's going to be a massive life change, even more sure. than coming out as gay or lesbian. Like, it's a massive life change. You need to talk to a therapist and get through it. So, you know, yeah. Awesome. And here I am. Dude, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. You don't need, I mean, you don't need my, like, su- my supporter stamp of approval, but you but have it anyway. It. I appreciate um, it. I'm really happy for you. And uh, did you, so did you move where you're at? Because you knew um, it was a lot more supportive, or was it just a place that you ended up and sort of ended up being supportive? Or yeah, um, well, I uh, well I originally moved just because I needed to get the hell out of Indiana. Like I okay. knew that I wanted to get away from Indiana, and you know, just certain people at that time, a toxic environment, and and then I had an opportunity out here. Like my company that I was with at the time was expanding out here. So I had a job lined up. I happened to be dating a girl at the time that lived out here. So like some things lined up together and I took the opportunity. And then um, a few months later, my best friend Paul came out with me because I was like, you got to come out here. It's so much better. And and then we kind of like bounced around for a while. You know, it's like, you know, living on the East Coast, bouncing around. I was in Massachusetts, bounced a couple places. And then we came to Rhode Island um, again for like job uh, opportunities and uh, I love it here. I absolutely love this state. <laughs> it's a tiny, cool. it's the tiniest state, but it's got so much here. So, yeah. I've I've been there one time. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. It's 45 um, minutes to drive through the whole thing. So. Is it you, really? If you blink, you miss it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I think I was just, yeah, I, w- I was only there once. Um, it was like for a few hours. Incidentally, it was for a, I think it was like a preaching thing that I was attending or something. Um, I don't even know who would have been out there, but I think that's why I was there. Um, well, right on, man. I'm, I'm really, really happy for you. Um, and I'm glad that I, so I, I gotta say, first of all, I admire your story and your journey. Um, I think you're incredibly brave Thank you. and I love that, uh, pretty much against every odds that could have been against you. Um, you, you sort of, you found yourself and you're, you're, living who you are um and that's awesome thank you I'm, I'm i'm glad you're doing it um so along those lines i'm excited to talk about some of the stuff you got going on yeah here pretty soon um so you mentioned paul you guys are starting a podcast yes we are your queer Tell us about story that. yeah so i mean your queer story well we say your queer story like it's history queer history I noticed that in the video you put out the other day. Yeah. And I like, cause I was reading as your queer story. Yeah. And then you said queer story. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about it. And we, we did that on purpose. Like when we say it, we say your queer story, but when we write it, it's three separate words because we're talking about queer history and we're also going to be telling like personal stories of people as well. So in the queer community. And so it's just, I, I love it. There's so much there and it's, you know, it's a it's a part of history that's very underrepresented. It, um, un, wow, underrepresented, and um, there's so many fascinating there's so many fascinating details, and there's so many people in history that we know, but we just didn't know that they were gay, or that they were trans, or that they were huh. you know queer. So uh, I think it's and we try to keep it kind of light, but also you know tell some great stories as well. Very yeah. cool. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, you guys are launching June 13th, June 13th. Yeah. yeah so right it's on. next Wednesday. Well, I don't know when this podcast come out, but June 13th, <laughs> this is probably going to release on 
Sunday. Okay. Um, so it'll be we'll be right in that window. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hopefully we'll be sending some people over to you guys. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, and I heard you guys are launching with four episodes right off yes. the bat. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, I'm really um, excited about them. And then like weekly release schedule or. Yep. Yep. So we'll be Very doing cool. a weekly release. I think the plan is for every Wednesday we're gonna drop new episodes. Um, and yeah, it just covers so many topics, covered individuals, cover ter- current issues. Like one of our first episodes is going to be about conversion therapy in the United States. So Perfect. I'm excited to, uh, you know, you know, it's a really, it's a very important issue that needs to be addressed. And especially because a lot of minors are being subjected to it, Yeah, you know? And so just like, like I said, we're ta- covering all kinds of different stuff. That's so. awesome, man. Um, well, I'm excited. I love history podcasts. Yeah. Uh, in general. Um, and I like, I love that you guys are, are doing this and I love that we're going to get to hear some of these stories about, like you said, people that we probably already know a little bit about. Yeah. Maybe some people that most of us haven't heard of. Um, but mm-hmm. it is, it is important and people need to know more about it. And I, I think it's going to be incredibly interesting. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. So yeah tune in we got there's just so much good content you know and it, it's that's the wonderful thing i'm also a big history buff um and the wonderful thing about history is that you just can keep going deeper and deeper and and topics that you thought you knew so much about you just peel back another layer and there's a whole another you know pile of yeah. stories for you to learn so yeah that's awesome um, and you guys have a Facebook page as well. Yep. Your Queer Story. You can find us at Twitter at Your Queer Story, Facebook at Your Queer Story. And then we'll also have a website which will launch with the podcast, YourQueerStory.com. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. So I have two more questions for yeah. you. These are big questions and I don't mean to put you on the spot. Okay. But these are big questions. The first one is, um, so th- things have gotten much, much better uh, as far as um, culturally in America and, and even like you know the laws that have been passed recently. Um, for the LGBTQ community. Um, what do you feel like we can do better as a culture, as a nation, um, to to just sort of level the playing field once and for all? Um, because we're not all the way there. Um, so what do, you, what do you feel like we as a nation could be doing better? As a nation? Um, I mean, as a nation, I mean, there's certainly still... Or just a culture, I guess. As a culture. Uh, all right. So the two, I mean, as a culture... I think, um, you know, uh, recognizing people, listening to people, listening to their stories. I never run into uh, even the most hateful person. When I have a personal interaction with them, they rarely ever maintain that level of hate. You know, people hate an idea, but they it's don't hard hate individuals. It's hard one-on-one. It is. It's very hard one-on-one. And so, you know, listening to the stories of LGBTQ people, which is part of the reason why I want the co- this podcast – um, is because when you listen to the stories, it, it puts a real face there and it puts, it's a real person who just wants the same things that you do and people that have done the same things. Like, we're, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, soldiers that fought in world war two and fought in Vietnam and they were fighting for a country that wouldn't even recognize them as equal citizens. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're, they're like every other veteran. They're there serving their country. They love their country. They're patriots. You know, right now, transgender individuals are barred from signing up for the military. And there's active orders to try to remove the over 15,000 trans individuals from who are already serving. People, yeah. men and women that have gone over to Iraq, 
you know, they've fought in our in our current wars and we're coming along and, and you know, telling them that their service doesn't matter. But they're just like every other veteran. And yeah. so as a culture, I think listening to the stories rather than, you know, deciding your viewpoints on an outdated book or whatever it is, yeah. you know, I think listening to people and as a nation, like there are there's just some basic laws that we need for so that people so that this discrimination doesn't keep happening. And I mean, I just mean like, you know, um, uh, gay and lesbian couples aren't allowed to adopt in many states. You know, hmm. there um, there's there were states. I mean, we now we have gay marriage passed federally, but, you know, there were states where people were married. They'd be married for, you know, for five, six years and they would move to another state and all of a sudden their marriage was dissolved or they would move to another state and they weren't allowed to get divorced, you know. And so we're we're huh. we're fighting with adoption. Of course, transgender individuals, which I talked about a little bit in some of my my stuff that I post, is, you know, you you move one place and all of a sudden, like I I'm stuck in a, a personal loop where like I can't get my um my birth certificate, which I need to get my my marriage license because I decided to get married again. This time I really have a good feeling about this one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but but I can't get my birth certificate from Indiana because of some of their laws. I live in a state now that's very progressive that's happy to give me, you know, all the things that I need, but I have to get my birth certificate from Indiana, but I can't. And so, like, trans, like this whole idea of, like, well, if you don't like your, your, where you're living, just leave. Okay, but if I leave, I should still be able to live my life fully somewhere else. Right. So, um, you know, and then conversion therapy. I can't state enough about the harm of conversion therapy, especially on minors. I understand that adults have the right to choose what they want to do. There's an adult that wants to undergo conversion therapy to to fix their homosexuality or their gender identity. That's their choice. But these minors are being subjected to some brutal techniques, uh, torture that we wouldn't allow on anyone. And Mm. and then and and then even if you take away the physical aspect, the psychological torture of just just being dehumanized and living with that, you know, that guilt and they're sitting in a therapist's office and they're being told that they're worthless, that they're not good enough, that they're a crime against nature. And so these laws are very important and all of them are like, you know, in, in the works in a lot of different states. And I mean, that's what we need as a nation. I, that's I feel incredible. like I rambled a little. No, I love it, man. It's, we need to know. Um, and on to the point of conversion therapy, I knew that that had been a thing for years. I was actually not aware that that was still in effect that that yeah. was still being used actually 41 states still allow for minors to undergo uh conversion therapy wow. and um in one of our um episodes and i don't mind spoiling this part because um if you go on to youtube and you watch samuel brenton um he's a young man who underwent conversion therapy in the early 2000s so this is not like decades ago this is the early 2000s right. and you know, he underwent electroshock therapy. He had needles stuck into his hands. He, you know, and this was in America. So, wow. and, and, you know, and he was a teenager. So wow. these are, and, and any, even, and now the big thing is reparative therapy. That's what they kind of rebranded from conversion to reparative therapy, which is Sounds just a lot talk better. therapy. But huh. again, it's, you know, just sitting a person down and, and telling them that everything about them is wrong, you know. Hmm. So. That's crazy. I can't believe that, that still happens. Um, that's good stuff, man. I So I, I appreciate I, I didn't feel like you rambled at all. I appreciate all that. Um, the second question I have for you is what. Um, so we, we talked about a lot of stuff 
what do you feel like um, this may overlap with the first question? What do you feel like we should know um, about the LGBTQ community um, about, you know what, before I ask that question, something else popped into my head while you were talking about the last thing. Do you feel like we hinge too much of people's identity and like their being on their sexuality? Oh yeah. Just as a culture. I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I, I feel like it's, it's incredibly unhealthy. The amount of identity that we put in sexuality. I, well, yeah, and then it, then the, and then that trickles over into like you know gender norms and gender stereotypes and and like fitting into these boxes culturally. Like, yeah, everything's about everything's about your sexuality, and 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 if you fit, if you are of a a certain orientation, then you're stereotyped and you're perceived a certain way, you know. And most of them are just completely completely false stereotypes, you know. Uh, but yeah, we're really obsessed as a country. We're really obsessed about sex, but so angry about it, right? Like we talked about yeah. earlier. It's like, you know, that, that, that concept of God that some people have of where like, he's really obsessed with sex, but he's also really pissed about whatever you're doing, you know? Yep. Yeah. I, uh, on that, I, I listened to another podcast, um, coincidentally and sort of ironically it's titled the fundamentalists. Okay. Um, it's an incredible podcast and it's not what it sounds like, yeah. uh, which is the point of the, the title. Um, but it's a comedian and a philosopher and they do a podcast okay. together uh, and they talk about a lot of stuff. They've, they, they've talked for the last like three episodes on sex yeah. and sexuality and sort of uh, some of the philosophy and psycho uh, analysis behind it. Um, and so they covered like Tillich and Kierkegaard and a few others um, and some of their thoughts on it. And I don't remember who said it. I mm-hmm. think it was Kierkegaard, but I could totally be wrong. But they were talking about repression and transgression. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I actually commented this on one of Stuart's posts uh, a little while back. But like they were talking about repression and transgression and how a lack of repression uh, brings with it a need for more transgression, which is like we, we would call <laughs> what he was calling transgression, quote unquote, yeah. which is just like you know, you got to get weirder with it to get the thrill out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so the more repression there is though, the more sexy sex is Mm -hmm. like the more thrilling it is. And the more like, you know, like, Oh, it's dangerous. And like, we're not supposed to do this. And I feel like we're still in some ways, in some ways very much not, but in some ways we're still living in a very like 1950s America when we talk about sex. Yeah. Because, like you said, we're obsessed with it. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. It's in every movie. It's in every advertisement. But we're so mad about it. Yeah. And, like, the same people that are mad about it on the weekend, you know, on Sunday, <laughs> go see those movies on yeah. Friday. Um, and then they talk about how mad they are about it on <laughs> Sunday. And we're just in this constant loop. And people talking about, like, how grocery store magazine racks are just porn. But then those same people buy those fucking magazines (laughs) and the rest of it. Um, And so we're just like, we're in this loop of like, it's, it's almost like we enjoy the anger about, and like the, you know, the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, like the affront um, of being constantly bombarded by all this sexuality, because the more we put up a barrier and like say, Oh, that's bad. That's bad. We can't have that. The hotter it is. Yeah. Um, and the more thrilling it is. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And, and then you just, like, you know, you start to get 
weird. I it's like it reminds me of one of our former leaders who was very obsessed with sex and would preach all the time about it and then started yeah. sexualizing her sermons, you know, and doing yeah. weird crap in his sermons. And you see that all the time in so many, you know, it, it all throughout history, you see the, you know, people that are the most ardently against it. Um, like I said, it, it comes out of everything that they say. It's all they can think yeah. about. It's all they talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot about identity and sexuality and, mm-hmm sort of how we hinge one or the other and it's crazy yeah. okay so the second question i had for you is um what do you feel like we should know um just the world at large american culture whomever any anybody that listens to this podcast really is, is who we're talking to mm. um but just about the lgbtq community uh at large um you know like people ask the question like what more do you need i've heard that <laughs> question asked yeah and i think it's the most asinine question but like um just as as far as like uh, I guess any like anything that we didn't cover that you feel like we should know, um, or just anything that you think is important that didn't already get said. Yeah, I mean, I I, I my biggest thing, like I said, is to educate yourselves. Um, and you're right; people do ask that question all the time. What more do you need? We've given you so much. It's yeah. just not. It's not understanding where a person's coming from, you know. It's like looking at, you know, we look at people of color and what they've been through. If you've never read, you know, some of the history, like I feel like sometimes in like white, you know, mainstream thinking, there's this idea of, well, we freed you, you know, people of color, like we freed you from slavery and we gave you rights. I don't know what else you want. And there's no delving or diving any deeper into like all the atrocities that happened along the way. And, and what's and not taking an honest look at what where we really are, and so right. honesty and education, and again, like part of the reason for our podcast is to give an understanding of what what's been happening in the LGBTQ community because you can't really help a people if you don't understand where they're coming from, right? Yeah. If you don't understand what they've been going through, what they're mad about, why they're mad, you know, you, you look at the gay community and think, well, well, you have the right to marry now. Why are you still mad? We're not looking at all the things that they had to go through to get there. And then like little things like, you know, the fact that, you know, the Supreme Court sided with the the baker to, you know, that Mm. could deny um, creating a cake for LGBT for a a gay wedding, which that's a whole other issue that, you know, that someone could get into. But it's just that point of you can go into a bakery and someone can decide that they don't want to bake a cake for your wedding because you're gay and whether or not that that person should have that right to do it it's still that daily discrimination like you never you know you and your your wife when you were getting married you never had to worry that you were going to walk into a bakery right. and someone was going to say imagine your your wife is um you were an interracial couple right yeah she's uh from south korea right yeah so imagine like if you had walked into a bakery and someone's like, I really don't support interracial marriage. And you were just like, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we just, I hear you. Yeah. Right. We don't think about, I think, you know, like I said, it's, it's educating and just thinking about putting yourself in those people's position. Like, why are we mad? Because we don't want to have to care just like everybody else doesn't have to care. Just like white cisgender people don't have to care as they go about right. their lives. We just, we just don't want to have to care, you know, and be bothered with it. Yeah. So. Why? Well, it- Exactly. So I, that's that's one thing I was gonna say is to the like to the point of like why are you so mad all the time? 
why do you th- like you can't just be like you, Evan? Yeah. In the in the state of Indiana, you can't just be a person. Right. Like I can I can be a person. Yeah. And like I'm I'm all well and good because like I fit into everything the state of Indiana says or Illinois or wherever I'm at, <laughs> you know, just like for centuries has said that I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You just because you happen to be slightly different from the old white rich guys that are in charge. You can't just be a fucking person. Yeah. And you can't just say like, hey, I need my birth certificate, please. Yeah. Because I'm trying to do some stuff over here. <laughs> I don't even live in your state anymore. Right. If you could um, just send that over. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, I I totally agree. That question of like, what what are you so mad about still? That. That yeah, it matters. It matters that you can't. You know, it's like it matters that you know um, a a black mother has to worry if her son's walking down the street that he might randomly be killed for doing yeah. nothing. Like that matters. Like a, a, you know, a white mother does not have that same fear. You know. It yep. matters that you could go to, I could go to the restroom somewhere and be harassed by someone. I mean, there's been ridiculous stories. I, I think a lot of people don't even realize um, that, you know, of where like people have been like been physically assaulted in bathrooms because they're just trying to pee. They're in line trying to pee. And, you know, states that have tried to pass laws where transgender individuals have to pee in the, the place <laughs> of their birth. Like how inconvenient yeah. and stupid is that? Yeah. Right. You know, like to have someone come down and tell you that you need to drop your pants so that they can look at your genitalia so that you can go to the bathroom like everybody else in line. It's that stuff like and it, it, it yeah, it's just it's all these little moments throughout the day that constantly build up. And like you said, we every all all the LGBTQ community has wanted is just to be equal and to be normal, yeah, normal in the yeah. sense of like just to live a normal life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so I don't mean to like paint the entire LGBTQ community as like just angry all the time. Oh no, I know. No. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. like if you happen to be angry about right. something, it's probably warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, right. No. No. D- no. Dude, what do you? That's the psychology behind just talking about bathroom stuff. <laughs> the psychology behind being so obsessed, first of all, with sex, but also with people's genitalia yeah. and where they're relieving themselves. It, like, if you really dig into that, there's some interesting things there too. <laughs> I feel oh like. yeah. Um. So I lied. I actually have one more question for you. Okay. It's actually the the main question I have to ask at the end of this episode. <laughs> okay. Because the the podcast is called Good Humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to ask, uh, and I, I think you're doing a lot of things that that um, it's it's the reason I have you on this podcast. Honestly, I think you're you're doing things. You're being a good human, and Thanks. you're making a difference. And you're like you're out there. You're doing it. You're living it. Um, but I'm always curious to get other people's perspectives about this. Like, what do you feel like? looking like a good human or looking like a good human being a good, good human looks like um how do you think that works uh like what does that what does that mean to you like how do we how do we do that yeah um i think that a good human it shows compassion to their fellow man i think that a good human works to better their not just their own lives but their society as a whole I think it's important to give back, you know, people before us, they work to give us the world that we have today and how selfish would it be to not try to better the world for the people that come after us. So, uh, you know, a good human is just, you know, realizing that you're part of the human race, that it's not just you, you're not an individual, you know, you're bar- you're part of a community, you're part of society and what you do is going to matter. So it's real simple for me, just be compassionate, be kind. 
Yeah. Great answer. I love it. It's a simple answer, but it's uh, it's not a simple practice. Yeah, it's not easy to live. You know. Yeah. We all get we all get wrapped up in our pro- in our problems. Every one of us. You know. Yeah. Um. Great answer. I love it. Uh. So I'm just gonna call it now. I need to have you back on when you start <laughs> writing again. Okay. Um. Because we didn't even really talk a ton about religion. No. And. I know that that's a large part of like your interest and a lot of what you've studied yes. um, as well. I've, I've been reading a ton of books myself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently reading uh, God is not great. Yep. Um, which I know you've read. Yep. Um, and I'm just, I'm blown away so far. I'm only like six chapters in. Yeah. I dude, I like I've taken, <laughs> I'm just with my cell phone. I just take pictures of page yeah. after page after page. Oh God. It's a library book. I need to own it, <laughs> but it's a library book. And I'm like, I just need to remember this. I need yeah. like, I will reread it at some point. I'm going to own it, but it's so good. When I had that, when I had read the book, I was also a library book, and I had a separate notebook, and I was just writing notes down. I mean, that's a better idea. It, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It's good. I mean, it's such a good. Yeah, I love religion, and um, I God, I love the whole thing. I love it all, and yeah. it's definitely my my other passion. And one day I want to do a podcast on that. That's originally what I had wanted to do was a podcast. Well, on, on cults and whatnot. And just like, you know, um, but, and I'm going to get back to that, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. definitely one of my big passions. <laughs> yes. It's fascinating. The, like, again, the psychology behind it, um, as well as the, the tradition, like for thousands of years, like we've, as long as we have recorded history, we've had religion. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to delve into why that is, it, um, it's, oh God, and yeah. sort of how it's progressed. So we we will definitely I'll have you back if you'll come back. Yeah. Um, and we will definitely dig into that at some point. I think that'd All be right. a great conversation to have too. Um, cool, man. I so appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Uh, I really we appreciate actually went, the opportunity. Yeah, I we actually went a little over an hour, but um, you know, I think it's all good. I don't think the listeners are gonna mind. Um, listeners, thank you for listening. I promised uh, that I was going to update you guys on stickers this episode. So here's the update. Uh, they will cost $1 each stickers and, um, I will have them. I'm ordering them today. I actually ordered them already. Uh, so I will have them. They said in up to eight weeks, uh, was the quote from them, but probably less. Um, so we'll see when I get them. I'll tell you guys when I actually have them in hand and I'm able to send them out. Um, but they will cost $1 and hopefully that's okay with you guys. Um, and then we'll do some cool stuff, uh, with what comes in. Um, you know, maybe find some, some charities that we think are, uh, uh, worthy of some donations and stuff like that. And, um, hopefully make some, some good differences. Um, so that's my update on stickers and that's all I have to say about that. That's the only self promo I'm going to do in this episode. Um, Evan, your podcast is called your queer story. Yep. Spelled your queer, your story. queer story. Your queer story. Yep. Uh, and you're going to be on, like, do you know what platforms you're on yet? Um, we will be on uh, Stitcher, um, iTunes, uh, Go- um, what's the, uh, the Google podcast. Oh, Google Play. Google Play, yeah. yes. And then um, I think we're, we're going to be on Spotify, but I'm not 100% sure yet. But awesome. you, you know, like you can go to yourqueerstory.com or like we said, at uh, Your Queer Story on Twitter, at Your Queer Story on um, Facebook, and we'll have more updates June 13th. Very cool, man. I'm excited. All right, listeners, thank you for listening. That's all for this week. Until next time, be good to each other. Mm-hmm.